And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Can I sing for you? Please. What's your favorite song? Um, Tiptoes Through the Tulip. All right, well, I'm going to sing the Halo theme. Oh. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dumps Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, January 21st. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling this morning with the Bassmaster, ripping them lips, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! We got the International Man of Mystery. Taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Lily. And last but not least, making the magic happen nonstop. It's JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream teamers joining us live on YouTube. As always, we see you. We appreciate you. Like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. Let's get those subs up for no dunks on YouTube. If you haven't already, go and watch or go and listen to yesterday's Beach Steppin' Podcast. It was a fun one. Man, we went on some tangents on that one. Some great story times from Lily. I had a business idea for dogs. JD talked about his dog's butthole. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. So go check out that Beach Steppin' podcast. And then late last night, JD wasn't done at the Classic Factory working the late night shift, the graveyard shift. Lily, you talked with Australian basketball legend Shane Heal, the hammer. And uh, that podcast, of course, is up in your podcast feed and also on YouTube. How did that go? I haven't had a chance to even watch or listen to it yet. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Shane Hill is a legend in the Australian basketball world, but I uh, look, I felt a little bit guilty during this one because uh, we were a little bit late getting started. A little and, bit. Uh, poor old JD. <laughs> poor old JD was just there, and I knew he had to do a little bit of scrubbing at the end of it as well to get the audio. There was a few little internet connection problems as well, so I had a great time, but in the back of my mind, I was like, JD might just cut this one and just say, I'm, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> I've been here since 6 o'clock in the morning. I've got to be up again at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> so so, uh, yeah, no, it was a great great chat there with the uh, with the hammer and uh, a lot of fun to talk to him. Well, JD, did you consider it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're done here. It was that bad, was it? Yeah. Well, uh, way to power it was through fine. It, it was fine. It was, what else am I doing? Well, that's a great point. It's not like you're going anywhere. Um, also, I can't believe we forgot to slip this in yesterday. That's on me. It's my bad, to be honest. But everybody tweeting at us, sliding into our Instagram DMs to let us know, hey, Garth Brooks. At President Biden's inauguration day trade. Did you catch any girth? I only caught girth. I was like flying through my timeline yesterday. It was great to see, I think it was Andrew Unterberger uh, tweeted the full, I like that clip. Right. And you know, we've been using it as a drop for five years at this point. Once you go back and watch that full video, chock full of hilarious moments from girth, just live streaming from the hotel room. (laughs) 
I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I guess, uh, yeah, Garth Brooks putting on a show there yesterday. Okay, so we got a lot to actually talk about here today on this Thursday podcast. We've got, of course, Tweet of the Night. i got a fun top five. We've got some Is This News. But first, five games, one thing. A lot of basketball on last night. We won't get to every single game, but the first one, you know where we're starting. Kyrie Irving returns, but the new-look Nets are beaten by Colin Sexton and the Cavs in double overtime. A really, really entertaining game lead back and forth. Obviously, not a lot of defense, and Sexton caught fire, but... What's the big takeaway from Cavaliers' number one fan, Lee Ellis? One thing. One, how can I take one thing mm. out of this game? Because this was certainly game of the night, maybe even game of the season. Do you want to talk highlights, storylines, narratives? I don't, I don't know which one was the most important one last night, but let's go with a highlights because Colin Sexton, in overtime, put on one of the, in double overtime, I should say, put on one of the most incredible overtime performances I think we've ever seen yeah. in the NBA points. 22 combined points, 15 of the team's 20 in that double overtime. And not only was he making shots, but he was hitting Kyrie Irving with Kyrie Irving type shots mm-hmm. while wearing Kyrie Irving shoes, while wearing Kyrie Irving's number, <laughs> while playing in Cleveland where Kyrie Irving was a superstar there as well. It was just incredible. And seeing... Uh, seeing the confidence in which uh, Colin Sexton sort of played and carried his team to the victory because the Cavs led this game a lot in regulation and it sort of felt like Kevin Durant is just going to say, okay, little brother, you guys have had your fun tonight and I'm just going to close this game out. But they get it to overtime. And then in overtime, it's like they're leading by two possessions there, the Nets, and you're like, same thing. It's going to be one of those, oh, good moral victory here from the Cavs. They fought hard. They get it to double overtime. And then in double overtime, Colin Sexton just became basically Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, whoever you want. Gilbert Arenas, a lot exactly, of people exactly. Monty Ellis, yeah. Uh, hitting those three-pointers. And the one that sealed it to compare to complete the Kyrie Irving uh, comparisons was a sidestep to the right wing over Jeff Green, not over Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Uh, reminiscent of the biggest shot in Cleveland Cavaliers history. This was such a fun game. There are so many storylines within the storylines as well. I mean, obviously, Kyrie's first game with James Harden as a Brooklyn Net, the big three out there. Well, James Harden still had a triple-double. Kevin Durant almost did. And Kyrie had 37 points. So, I mean, they all performed well. They played well. Defense let them down. But more than the defense, it was just one of those performances that we're going to look back at and say, Colin Sexton was unstoppable. Good offense always beats good defense. And that was another case of it last night. Go back and watch this game if you can. I don't think we can really uh, sum it all up in this show here unless we want to go on for another hour or two just about this game because so many little things happen. Missed free throws, big shots, clutch moments, an incredibly fun game to watch. All on the day slash night where you were wearing a greetings from (laughs) Sexland t-shirt too, uh, as we pointed out on Twitter last night. Incredible Uh, timing on your part. Just just amazing stuff. And um, I mean, because I think, uh, I don't think he was definitely coming back until uh, earlier in the day, too. Mm-hmm. So That's right. Uh, he, had, he had missed some time. You're right. I yeah, guess with the ankle injury. And uh, there's still no Garland out there. But seeing Kevin Love on the side as well, just seeing how happy he was for his teammates, roaring away, cheering. They, they were piggybacking each other, but they all had their face masks on as well. Like, no, yeah. one, no one broke protocol on the side. Everyone was well behaved. And. Uh, Oh my God! I, you know, there's there's just so many things that happen in this game that um, I don't, you know, like I say, we won't get to all of them. But Colin Sexton hitting those threes and hitting the dagger to send the game to second overtime, 
because yeah, the game tying three at the end of the first overtime. Yes, okay, that's a. I mean, there's a there's a storyline right there. Right. Why didn't the, the Nets foul first off the second time? Because they had fouled first. They fouled purposely. They had one to give, yes. so it didn't put him to the line, which is like okay, just to sort of break the momentum. But yeah, I agree. If you're going to do it, then you may as yeah. well foul him that second time, especially because he's right there too. But and that one was over Kyrie Irving. Uh, another sort of Kyrie type shot, sort of almost like lost the ball, raised up and, and knocked down the three. Yeah, and then why? Why was Kyrie even on the floor? I think you could make an argument for right, Trey. Like you could ask Steve Nash. Like, like that's a defensive possession. You're up three. You just need to stop. I know no one on the net stops anybody, but Kyrie is not going to be the lockdown defender in that case. You might want to put Brown on that on a Sexton in that situation. I think that's a fair criticism to what Steve Nash was doing on that possession. What do you think? Maybe in the playoffs you do that. I don't think it really matters. Last night, it's Kyrie Irving's return after being gone for a couple of weeks. There's no way you're benching him for an important possession, even if it's going to help you win the game. You got to stroke the ego a little bit there. I would have liked to see some kind of a substitution from the Nets. You know, they had their starters playing for basically the last 15 straight minutes of the game. They looked tired by the time it got to double overtime, but... You're right, Lee. This was awesome. This was great to watch. Sex bomb just dropping Tom Jones here and there. It was fun stuff. So many weird calls like uh, the offensive foul slash face smash that Kyrie Irving and Colin Sexton had at the end of, I guess that was the end of regulation, right? At the end of fourth quarter with that challenge. And it looked like, is this going to be a double foul? Because Kyrie definitely hit him in the mouth, but Colin Sexton definitely stuck his mouth on Kyrie Irving's elbow. It felt like the Nets were going to win this one in regulation. It mm-hmm. felt like they were just rope-a-doping the Cavs the entire time. We're turning it on in the fourth quarter. James Harden's going to actually start taking some shots instead of just being the point guard. And you give it to Kyrie to try and win the game on his first time back in Cleveland in four, se- uh, in four years. It didn't turn out that way. And lucky for us, it didn't because this was an awesome game. It was also great to see Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince having revenge games yeah. against the Nets. Uh, you were looking out there... Th- you even heard Richard Jefferson saying, like, they don't have Jared Allen to stop Jared Allen anymore because he was running <laughs> wild for a little bit. Everything that you would think about the Nets came true in this game. Who's going to be taking the last shots? Are they going to be able to get stops defensively? Are they going to have enough depth? It felt like it was going to work out in the end, but too much sex last night. <laughs> too much sex. I would say, too, I mean, that that game-tying three that Sexton hit over Kyrie, I don't think he should have been out there, but a huge shot. And he sort of fumbled it, like you said, Lee, and then still hit it. I think the more impressive play may have been the one before that, where I think it was Chetty Osman airballs a three. The Cavs are down three. There's like 15 seconds left in the yeah. game in, in the overtime period. It looks like they're going to lose. Chetty Osman airballs it badly. Luckily, he did though because Sexton grabbed it and then in one fell swoop, like put back like a little up and under put back. It was really gorgeous and that was huge. Obviously, it made it a one point game and then they had a chance, of course, for him to hit the tying three. Yeah, he was just, and then, yeah, in the double overtime, I mean, how many did he string together in a row at one point? Was it was it 20 points? 20, 20 points in a row, yeah. yeah which I think, I think LeBron's the only other Cav who's actually done that. Uh, that is, that's a <laughs> yeah. lot. Uh, that's incredible. But, you know, a lot of the storyline from this one is like what you did think of the big three. Um, you guys said the lines there. I mean, just massive for all three of them, though Harden didn't take a ton of shots. But it's funny to me, like, hearing, like, some of these pundits and, and analysts talk about, like, oh, uh, I mean, you know, Harden needs more shots. Okay, maybe the ball should be in his hands more. But it's like, the offense is not the problem at all. There's no problem. It doesn't matter. They're going to score 125 in their oh, sleep, yeah. these three guys. It's only defense, and they mm. have to play some of it. You do. You got to get, obviously, some timely stops. And they're going to have to find some guys here. Like, this Jeff Green at the five. 
you can't go all season with this. I mean, no you way. can probably do it in spot minutes here in, in particular playoff you know, matchups. Sure, I get it. Not all season. Uh, yeah, you're going to run these guys into the ground. This guy got hit in the nuts so many times <laughs> last night. There's no way Jeff Green is going to want to be the center no. for the entire season. But it's very funny to hear afterwards uh, Kyrie saying it's going to come down to a defensively what we're going to put in the effort on that side of the court mm-hmm. if we're going to have a successful season. Just like Steve Nash back in the day. It's all about defense. No, it's not. They're going to try and outscore teams. They should be focusing on defense, but literally who is going to teach them? Yeah, they needed mm. they needed PJ Tucker to come back in that Harden trade, like be included in that trade so much. Like I just even a Tucker, I know of course being a smaller guy, but a guy that can actually play some defense and sort of get guys in the right position and stuff like that, like a Draymond Green like. Yeah, they got to go get someone cuz this is not going to work. Not all like it's going to be fun as hell to watch. I mean, because they give up so many points and they score so many points on the other end. But I don't think you can win. I personally don't think they can win four playoff series like this. Like, mm. With, well, with I like mean, zero defense. Yeah, we saw them against the Bucks the other night. They pulled it out. You know, I mean, and the, and the Bucks are probably, you know, their, their biggest competition in the East. So, you know, do they have enough, you think, just in the East? I, I think they still probably do, I, I think. But will that be enough against potentially the Lakers in, in, the, in right. the finals? I mean... Probably not, but uh, you know what? What does Sean Marks do now? Does he has he got the ability to go out there and get a quality? I think they need more than one defender. I think they need a rim protector and they need a perimeter guy. Yeah. yeah. So can he go out and get that? Because um, you know you got Luawu Cabarro, who you know that's that's the opportunity for him to do it, but I don't think he's quite up to the task of being on the floor long enough. So. There's still some things to do here for the uh, for the Nets, but I think offensively, you know, of course, all these guys can score and get their basket whenever they want. How long is it going to take before they really start clicking and deciding how they're running that offense? Is it just like, okay, your turn, my turn, his turn, or is it like, okay, you know, we, at the end of the games, we're just running this with uh, KD to get him his his uh, high percentage looks where he can just mm-hmm. curl into the uh, sort of top of the paint there and hit that shot because I think that's probably their most reliable basket, you know. Just run a screen, but that means someone like Kyrie or Harden is out of that uh, possession. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, good, again, good problem for Steve Nash to have, but I think you do need to almost say this is our bread and basket play here because uh, they need they need some sort of definition. I think bread and basket play. Bread, bread and, and butter. Basket. Bread and butter. Bread and butter. <laughs> I like it. I've I never tried eating somewhere. bread with uh, the basket. Listen. I'm going to take a bite out of my basket next time. Like two nights ago, we had two games and they were kind of stinkers, right? Last night when I had the hammer on, I was like trying to play catch up after yeah. that. Everything went absolutely crazy last night. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. I was just like you're trying to scramble, trying to watch all these games, trying to consume all this information and then sort of uh, say it out uh, in, a, in a sensible format this morning. I thought, there's no way this is going to happen. Absolutely no way. Fly <laughs> by the seat of your pants today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you start to like panic when there's oh. too many close games on. You're like trying to keep your eye on, okay, what, what, what's Embiid doing? Whoa, whoa, okay, what's Sexton doing? Oh my God, Cole Anthony had a game winner? Like blah, blah, blah. Like It's a lot. It's a lot, it but is. it's a good problem to have. We're like the Steve Nash of podcasts right now. You know, this is a <laughs> yeah. good problem. We got so many great games. Okay, anything else um, from this Cavs-Nets game? Uh, okay, let's keep it going then. Let's get to uh, Embiid. He scored 42. He helped lead the Sixers past the Celtics. 117 to 109. Pretty high-scoring affair, too, for these two teams. Trey, big takeaway from this one. Another MVP-like performance from Joel Embiid. Like you said, 42 and 10. He was dominant inside, and you can tell that the Celtics just don't have an answer for Joel Embiid. It used to be Aaron Baines back in the day. It used to be Al Horford back in the day, but right now they don't have anybody there because it's going to be either Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson, and Embiid was just putting them underneath the basket. And the Sixers were doing a great job of actually getting him the ball in places where he could score. 
But the big story is that Joel Embiid, an MVP-like line, also a Shaq-like line, 21 free throw mm. attempts, and he got called out afterwards by Marcus Smart basically saying, if I took that many free throws, I'd score 42 a game, to which Embiid says, well, guess what? You would know about flopping because you flop all the time. <laughs> and honestly, Embiid was flopping the entire time. But Daniel Tice was flopping the entire time, too, because he can't guard Joel Embiid. He's got to do something to try and take him out of his game. Uh, there was a lot of bodies flying around. I'm sure Lee was loving those big, strong bodies banging into each other. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Embiid is impossible to guard. Embiid is impossible to officiate, just like Shaq was back in the day. He draws so much contact. He is a bit of a grifter with the pump fakes and they're slamming yep. into guys and taking tough shots and trying to get to the line. But that's a good way to be an efficient scorer. So uh, if you like free throws, if you're a Lee Ellis and you love free throws, <laughs> this one's for you. But if you hate flopping, maybe not, because on SportsCenter afterwards, it was just the phantom of the flopper. And it felt like it was all just from this game. I love it. I love to see that kind of beef as well. What do you think, Lee, of Embiid getting all to the free throw line all these times, maybe selling some of them, and then Smart's comments as well? Uh, this is the Joel Embiid I want to see, where it's like, they can't guard me. So I'm going to force them to foul me, get them frustrated, and then I'm going to go to the free throw line and knock them down. Because that is what Shaq, you know, remember Hackershack started when guys just used to jump on him because they couldn't stop him. And he would go to the free throw line. Well, that's what Embiid needs to do because he didn't do this down in the bubble when we when we saw the Sixers and the Nets uh, down, uh, Sixers and the Celtics down <laughs> oh there, wow, man. Um, because he has that physical advantage, and you've got to make the most of that, you know, because he's got that little mid range game as well where he can say, if if I'm going to go inside and you're going to foul me, then I'm going to step out, and if you give me that little room, I'm going to knock down that jump shot. So. That's the sort of player he wants to see. Now, I will say no Jason Tatum here for the Celtics. Mm -hmm. uh, he's likely to be back. I think they play again tomorrow night. So that should be uh, an interesting rematch to have because I think, obviously, Tatum is their best player. So the Sixers were at an advantage. But Joel Embiid needs to be like, I I'm too big, I'm too strong, and you guys are going to get in foul trouble. I think Doc Rivers has been trying to hammer that home because we have seen it a few times this season. And against a team like the Celtics, this is likely a team they'll face or they'll certainly have to beat in the playoffs if they're going to advance. And Joel Embiid is better than any of their bigs that they've got. So uh, good performance by him. But yeah, the Marcus Smart stuff, I love Marcus Smart. I think he's an incredible player. He's really got a lot out of his talent because I don't think he's a great sort of shooter, scorer type of guy. He's streaky. But he can never, ever call anyone out for flopping. Ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Ever. One of my most uh, engaged <laughs> tweets from the bubble was Marcus Smart against the Raptors, where he basically did a springboard dive yep. of Pascal Siakam into the thing. He got fined for it by the NBA. <laughs> so, Marcus, I love you, but you cannot ever, ever, under any circumstances, say you're flopping to somebody right. else. <laughs> right, right. Unless you're looking in the mirror. <laughs> exactly. Spider-Man right. meme, yeah. Yes, yes. All right. Well, look, I mean, this was another awesome game from Embiid. You guys are right. I think if you're the rest of the Eastern Conference especially, you got to, the way he's playing right now and he's out there for most of it and the numbers he's putting up and getting to the line like crazy. And the difference from Shaq, let me point out too, you know, hack a Shaq he could do because Shaq's going to miss one of those two free throws for the most part. And Bede's like an 84% free throw shooter like this year. Like he is basically money. For a guy his size, he's pretty much cash at the line. But you got to be these other Eastern Conference teams, right, Trey? Like looking at Embiid, playing like this, going, 
Jeez, we gotta we gotta might have to come up with a game plan. We might have to get some guys, like you said, is it Bainsey? Can you go get him from the Raptors to try and slow him down in a playoff series? I'm dead serious. Like if he does this, then that's a that's just that tilts the equation in the favor of the Sixers in any series, in my opinion. If this is the Embiid you get in the playoffs, unfortunately, we've seen time after time, either because of matchups, guys that just get the best of him, like a Gasol or maybe even a Bainsey. Or he'd like, you know, he's in and out of the lineup for whatever reason because of injuries and illnesses and weird things like that. So I don't know, man. I I wouldn't want to have to play him in a playoff series when he's like this. And you wonder if they start thinking about that a little bit, some of the other teams. Definitely. And it was even part of the strategy for the Sixers a couple of seasons ago, right? When they signed Al Horford away from the Celtics saying, right. we're getting rid of your best Embiid uh, defensive stopper. So now that guy's not there. He was telling Tristan Thompson, you're too small. And Tristan Thompson's like 6'10", 275. That's pretty impressive stuff. But like you're saying, what's it going to be like in the playoffs? That's a long time from now. How will Embiid be feeling health-wise? He has been on one for the entirety of the season so far. But that's still four months to go from here. And honestly, I think the Celtics would play things differently too. The entry passes were a little bit too easy to Embiid. So you'll probably see a lot more pressure up on the wings trying to make it tough. Because it can be hard for a big guy to get the ball down the stretch. But it Mm -hmm. was not hard for Embiid to get the ball last night. I also thought Tobias Harris had another good game. He had 22 points, only took 17 shots, which seems like a lot, but he made nine of them. Also had five assists. Doc Rivers has him making really quick decisions. And when he's not just catching it, should I pump fake? Should I take a 20 footer? Should I take a three? Should I move the ball? When he just catches it and does something, it's working out. And the Beantown boys will be happy with Kemba Walker's performance in this one, too. Obviously had a bit of a stinker there in his first game, I guess, against the Knicks, was it? Uh, And this one, he was hitting the three ball. I think he had five in total. So he was looking a little bit more like, you know, the Kemba with that that pull-up off the dribble three was going for him. So that's a good sign. Um, yeah, it's a, it was another fun game, though. This was one going on, again, where the Sexton game was going on. You're like, geez, which one do I watch? How do I do this? And then people, you know, I tweeted it out. I was like, which game do I watch? People say, well, just get the mosaic view going. Watch four mm. games. What are you, that's not what, you're not watching any game when you have four no. games on your one screen. I'm sorry. You're not. You're not doing it. Uh, I can't do that. Two Okay, you know, because of break-in plays and free throws, you can get away with a little bit more. Not four. Am I wrong, Lily? No, you're not wrong no. at all. Yeah, you've got to watch one because you watch one, you can consume one. You're watching four, you're not consuming any. You're just sort of like, oh, what's happening there? What's happening there? And you're missing all the good stuff. So, right, right. Yeah, you have to commit to one maximum of two uh, okay, and then good. and then play the catch-up game. Right. Okay. That's what we do here. Uh, this was a fun catch-up game for me this morning. I mean, you saw the highlights, I'm sure, going around Twitter last night. But Cole Anthony hits a buzzer-beating three. Magic edged the Wolves 97-96. Lee big takeaway. Oh, man. Both of these teams are probably looking at each other going, great, we've got, a, we've got the other team on the schedule tonight. <laughs> because they've both been struggling really badly, and it looked like the Timberwolves are up 20. They're up two possessions with 35 seconds to go. You are like, the Timberwolves are finally going to break through here. And they still couldn't do it. Cole Anthony hits one three from the corner there. Then Jared Vanderbilt had a couple of three throws at the other end to basically seal the game. Clunked them both. And then Cole Anthony, the rookie, runs down the other end. Hasn't got any time to think about it. Just fires away from three. It's the dagger three that just... It was just a crushing blow for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, Cole Anthony's dad, Greg, there's uh, there's footage of him. If you haven't seen it, go to like the NBA TV channels you can see. Just a big fist pump. Just so happy for his son to hit that big game-winning shot in his uh his first chance in his nba career and he does it so um yeah if you're if you're a timberwolves fan man things are tough right now carl anthony towns is out uh with covid and they just cannot catch a break at all um they like i say they they led this one 
They were up 13 big. points with like yeah. six minutes to go. In the yeah. Game. Yeah, it's a pretty good lead. Just could not finish it off. So, uh, yeah, maybe don't go back and watch this one because it's... Uh, it's just it's just tough to see. I mean, you you know, like we certainly I didn't think the Timberwolves had a, a great team this season, but you just want to see a team have a just a break go their way, you know, the mm-hmm. ball go their way, and uh, against another team that's struggling. Last night was a perfect opportunity for them, and they still couldn't get it. So, uh, yeah, tough one for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was a pure game winner, though. Oh, yeah. Cole Anthony, that was sweet. Like, no lucky bounce or anything like that. All the confidence in the world bringing it up. You know, Gordon, I think, is, like, maybe expecting even to get the ball back. Yeah. You know, there's not a ton of time. Gordon got the rebound and kicked it out to him so they could push it up the floor. I thought Gordon was expecting it back a little bit. And, nope, Cole's like, no, I got this one. And uh, to get it to drop and great celebrations too and stuff like that. So hell of a shot. I predicted last night on Twitter that we were going to get one buzzer beating game winner. I didn't think it would be this game. I'll be honest with that. But uh, huge shot. Anything to add there, TK? Somebody tweeted me last night and said that the Magic's numbers look like macaroni and cheese noodles. <laughs> That's all I really have to add. Incredible shots by Cole Anthony, but the Timberwolves just completely fell apart. It was a 10-point game with like two minutes left. And it just seemed like if you set a single screen offensively, the Magic were going to be getting a good shot. Like a, a pick and roll at the top. Once you come around the pick and the roll, there's nobody there. There's just mm-hmm. no defense at all for uh, the Timberwolves, and that has been the case for a few seasons now. But it's like Lee always says, practice your free throw, kids. Uh, Gotta knock them down. Jared, Jared, Jared. Missing both of them, right? Just had to hit one of them. Um, Yeah, they were up to, I mean, at least then it's a a tie game if Cole hits that three. But yeah, tough loss for the Wolves, tough season for Minnesota. Let's move on. Trey Young, 38 points. John Collins, 31 as the Hawks rally caca, to beat the Pistons in overtime. This was another overtime game. Trey, big takeaway. Well, all that stuff is true, but Clint Cabela grabbed a whole bunch of boards, so you know we had to do it to him. Clint Capella grabbed 26 rebounds. That's a lot of roast beef. Arby's sees what we're doing. Loving roast beef. No dunks. We love roast beef, which is rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. 26 rebounds. <laughs> Arby's recognizing that roast beef equals rebounds now. I love to see it. Just a uh, bunch of roast beef aficionados, but I got to say, I got to say it. This was a dubious beef. Oh. This was some home-cooked beef. So many of Capella's rebounds were tips. So many of his rebounds came on his own misses. I counted, I feel like Lee Ellis here, watching every assist for the very solid play. I watched every rebound. I count 17 real rebounds. Wow. That being said, if this was Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman would have averaged 30 rebounds a game if every tip counted as a rebound. But we are grateful for each and every big beef here. I mean, where else are you going to see Mason Plumley? Shoot a hook shot, a sky hook, giving Clint Capella the easy rebound. As for the rest of the stuff that happened on the court, 
The Hawks were down 17 in the yeah. fourth. It was not looking good for Atlanta, but Trey Young and John Collins and Kevin Herter were all great during the fourth quarter. They're just kind of taking over. Trey was living in the lane and he was finding guys on the outside. And there were just some brutal, brutal defensive breakdowns for the Pistons. So the Hawks probably would have been getting smashed and dragged through the mud today if they would have lost this one to the Pistons the way it looked like they were going to. They did a nice job to get that beef and to get that comeback victory. Absolutely. Yeah, this would have been a brutal loss for the Hawks if they went on to lose, let's say, by 20. Big, big block by John Collins to to, uh, force overtime. I mean, Jeremy Grant's... He's going to hit that bucket. Like, that's going to be a layup, uh, that last-second drive there at the end of regulation. And Collins just, nope, uh-uh. And no foul called on the play, and then they won it in overtime. Yeah, huge victory. Quick trivia, Lee. Capella, Atlanta's first game with at least 25 points and 25 boards since who for the Hawks? Uh, I, I'm not Al Horford. That sort of no, seems just a little too no, close. No, Al Horford would never eat that much beef. No. Um, I mean, Moses Malone obviously did play for the Hawks, but no, he was no. at the end of his career. Uh, Tree Rollins. Paul Millsap? No, no, no. You got to go. Uh, it's pretty amazing, actually. He did it in 1999. I mean, it's not amazing the player to have done it. I guess maybe as he went on, he got a little older, I guess, to put up these numbers is a little impressive. Kevin Willis? No, no he was not that old. In, uh... uh... Matumbo? No, he wasn't uh, there. Matumbo. Oh. Whoa, Matumbo. Yeah. December fourteenth, nineteen ninety-nine. Twenty-seven and twenty-nine for wow. Matumbo against wow. the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, when he was mm. on the Hawks. Yeah, crazy. The last player I think to do it in the NBA is a uh, twenty-five and twenty-five is Carl Anthony Towns, who did it in uh, two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, Hawks got a much-needed victory because yeah, ooh, if you lose to the Pistons, worst team in the league, or at least one of the worst teams in the league, and after all we'd been talking about Atlanta, like what's going on with Collins, what's going on with Trey? I mean, especially after the first half from Trey Young, like yeah. he had like six points or something. He turned it on in this game. Lloyd Pierce was basically like, "We won this game because Trey Young turned back into Trey Young." He was aggressive. Uh, yeah, he was, he was super aggressive. Uh, yeah, so I wonder where that's been. Maybe he just needed to get over it, and maybe he's back because he and John Collins had a couple of nice connections too. So absolutely, uh, and Trey Young set up Capella for the jam yep. to you know tie the game at 106 at the end of regulation there so that was big too yeah good game final one here i just want to slip this in because we haven't talked about them a lot clippers beat the kings 115 96 for a season high fifth straight victory uh Kawhi had 32 he had six steals paul george 19 career high 12 assists tied his career high for paul george but again i just want to get this in here because Correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't talked a lot of Clippers, and that's probably a good thing. I know Tass talked about them on What You Need to Know this morning, how the Clippers are might be, um, well, they might be boring, and that's good. Uh, they broke this game open with 34 points in the third quarter. Uh, they had like these, just, they go on these runs, like a 9-0 run, then a 13-0 run, and they are killing third quarters. Like, they are just coming out of halftime, just putting the hammer down like they're Shane Heal, uh, <laughs> scoring opponents by a combined 56 points over their last five third quarters. And believe it or not, the Clips have the number one offense in the league, Lee, but mm. like something like 20th ranked defense. So I think you're seeing, though, they are playing with like a little more on the offense side of the ball, like a little more freedom, a little more joy under Ty Lue than maybe what was going on under Doc. Um, but Kawhi after the game said, quote, happy with the wins we're getting, but we're not satisfied, which mm. is obviously the right attitude to have. And that's just why I don't think we're going to talk about the Clippers much during the regular season. Because we all know they're a great team. It's just, you know, obviously come playoff time, can you keep leads when you're up 15-20 on teams like the Nuggets and not melt down? But they're, they're, they're rolling right now, man. Wasn't uh, one of the big things when the Raptors won the championship, the third quarter Raptors? That was, yeah, uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, Serge is there now. Kawhi's there having a great uh, season. So uh, maybe they're trying to 
get that back. Maybe Ty Lue's like, listen, the third quarter, it's the championship quarter. Sure. Go out there and, and perform. But uh, for the Kings, look, good signs for them. They kept the opponent <laughs> under 120 points. That was their months. goal. Literally, Luke Walton <laughs> said that before the game. Our goal is to keep the other team under 120 points. Check. <laughs> they did. They just forgot to <laughs> score. So, yeah. so you think so that, that's it? In the locker room, they're like, we got one, guys. We got a win. We're going to get it. That's a win. Who cares? That's a right. win. That's a, that's a mini victory for the Kings right now. That's how bad their season's been. But yeah, uh, Clippers, they're, they're, they're rolling right now, uh, quietly. But they got a couple big games coming up. So there'll be a little more eyeballs on them, I think. And whether they can win those big ones on national television uh, and maybe shut some of the doubters out, up out there. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get to a little is this news. Hey, just a couple here, guys. Going to throw a headline at you. You can tell me whether or not it's news. First one. NBA postpones sixth consecutive game for the Washington Wizards. Lee, is this news? Uh, yes, it is because uh, apparently they wanted to go ahead with this game mm-hmm. uh, because the Wizards did have enough players. But Bradley Beal, who's the player's rep for the Wizards, was like, we need some practice time first here because we haven't played for so long that the chances of somebody injuring themselves by not being ready enough is increased. Right. So they talked with uh, Michelle Roberts, the the uh, NBA uh, Players Association rep, about listen, we need to postpone this game. We need to get some practice time first because even though we have enough players for the game, we've got to get guys just a little bit back into their flow. Cause they haven't been even able to practice until yesterday, I believe. Yeah, uh, they haven't in, played since January 11th. <clears throat> yeah. So and that's that's a 10 day uh, break in between games, but just even that practice and just being around each other. So uh, and it worked. It worked. So the game has been postponed again now. The, the problem for the Wizards is they're going to have to make up all these games that they've missed playing at some point. So their schedule could get just crazy. They could be facing back-to-back-to-backs at some point. I'm not sure exactly how the NBA is going to handle it. But this is uh, you know, not, not, not the end of the world by any means, but certainly this is becoming a big problem. And the NBA wants, obviously, the Wizards to be out there 
to being able to make up these games as quickly as possible. But I think Bradley Beal is very much within his rights and he's taken the right approach by saying we don't want to risk injury to any players just to try to uh, catch up these games. We've got to be at least allowed to get ourselves prepared and ready. So I think that's the right approach. And I think the league sort of acknowledged that. So mm-hmm. the right decision has been made, even though uh, it, 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 their schedule is going to get crazy at some point. Tim Reynolds, I saw a tweet. If the Wizards play all 72 games, that's a big if, if they even get to 72. But if they do, and the NBA doesn't schedule any makeups over that bye week, Washington will have to play 41 times in 67 days during the second half of the season. Because they are missing some mad games here, Trey. Um, But what did you think about this? Like Lee said, they had eight available players. I mean, you know, by the rules... They were going to have to play this game, but they said, no, we haven't practiced. Our conditioning is is crap. Like, someone could get hurt here because of this lengthy pause, and, and the NBA um, agreed with them, at least for this one. I think JG nailed it in the stream team. Delays lead to less practice, lead to more injury, but delays are necessary because of the COVID protocols. It's a vicious cycle, and that's exactly mm-hmm. right. You're mentioning skeets that they might not get to 72 games, and I would not be surprised if that's the case. At the yeah. end of the season, we see... Uh, differing numbers in how many games these teams have played because it's likely that this sort of shutdown will happen to another team at some point during the season. And if you're having to take two weeks off from playing games that matter, it's going to be tough to make them all back unless you're willing to be playing every two out of every three nights, basically. Like you're saying, 40 out of 60 nights or whatever it is. But uh, it's going to be tough to make up all these games, but it's also tough to take two weeks off of basketball, come back and play competitive games when you're trying to get into the playoff picture. So uh, it's tough. It's tough for the Wizards. I mean, you guys had forgotten that Bradley Beal scored 60 points this season. Yeah. It's been so long that they played. And I mean, the, it's easy to forget the Wizards are even an NBA team right now. Hopefully they get back. Hopefully people stay healthy, both from a COVID standpoint and from a soft tissue injury standpoint. It's yeah. going to be uh, the practice time helps. It was necessary, but it puts the Wizards even further behind the eight ball. The Wizards haven't played in so long that I forgot Fred Katz was a man. <laughs> He's well, you're a you're, fan, you're, baby. You're, you're a big dog guy these days. Yeah, you're not into the cats. Guy, yeah. Get out of here, uh, cats. <laughs> Listen, I remembered Beal had 60 because last night when I was talking to the hammer, Shane Hill, yeah. his career high was 61 in a game. And so I asked wow. him, would you rather score 60 in a game and lose or zero in a victory? And he was like, well, you know, oh. yeah, it's a great question. Uh, he was like, when you're young, I think you take the 60 points. I think you'll take that. You yeah. want to go out there and light it up. But I said, yeah, I think come playoff time, though, you'd be happy to exchange that zero for a victory. And, and, and he, he agreed. But, uh, you know, people love getting buckets. People love it. <laughs> they do, indeed. <laughs> I do have a question with this whole thing. What would the league do if this weren't the Wizards and it was the Lakers? I think, mm. I, I'm just fascinated by it. It's would like, they shut down, you mean? Like, yeah, like, I, I just wonder. I, I have no, like, who knows? Maybe it'd be the exact same. It, it is what it is. But, you know, does it matter it, that it's actually, let's be honest, the Washington Wizards, not a great team out of the gate here, you know, not not one of the, uh, you know, the mark, marquee teams in this league by any means. I don't know. And look, Brooks anticipates that the Wizards, six of the Wizards out right now for health and safety protocols, are, not, are likely not going to be able to rejoin them on this road trip they're about to go on. Like San Antonio, Houston, and New Orleans, they have this little road trip coming up. So there's still going to be like mad short guys here. Um, but I get what Bill's saying. At least we'll maybe be conditioned to avoid injury. Hopefully. I mean, maybe not if they're playing like 40 plus minutes in some of these well, games yeah. or something like that. And somebody, you know, th- th- this would be the worst case scenario for the league if Bradley Beal, let's say. Uh, a guy who's obviously come up in tons of trade rumors, is their star player, is an, an all-star, all-NBA type of guy. 
if because of all this, this break, him not being conditioned, you know, something heaven forbid like he tweaks this would be that would be the worst that would be the worst so at least they gave him a little more conditioning time but gonna be tough to get the wizards games in i'm with you trey i don't think all these teams are gonna have the same it's gonna come down to percentage points and stuff like that at the end of the year all right our uh second headline here sort of you know has to do with the first one nba to enforce rules forbidding hugs and handshakes with mid-court security trey is this news very strange news. Uh, but it's news. <laughs> Would Kevin Love have been in violation for having people on his back? Is a piggyback ride the same as a hug? Who knows? It seems ridiculous. It seems like it's all about optics. But mm-hmm. we've had a Wizards team that hasn't been able to play basketball for two weeks. So anything that is going to help uh, keep people safe and keep games happening, I'm for it. Like, I don't know exactly how you're going to legislate it. I don't know what these security officers are going to be doing on the side. Do they have a whistle that they can blow an infraction if there's a hug going down? Who knows? As long as it helps, then I'm for it. What do you think, Lee? Is this just optics? I mean, did they did they even enforce this last night for crying out loud? Like uh, yeah. of opponents, you know, sort of getting together and dapping each other up. I thought I saw Sexton, you know, you know, talking to Nets players like in close proximity and handshaking or hugging or whatever. Did I not? Well, did I make that up? Well, the league should send around a videotape of every time Kevin Garnett got into a fight in the NBA because remember what he <laughs> would do? He would just go like that. Right. And that's what the players should have to remember to do. Every time you score a basket, pretend you're in a fight. So you're like, no, no high fives, no hugs. I don't want any of that stuff. And then you run back down the court and then they won't interact with each other. I think that's it. But no, it's, it, to me, it's like, how, what's the point of enforcing that though? Once you're out on the court and there's no masks anyway. Exactly. Uh, that, that yeah, because we're talking about this is supposed to be like really pre and post game. Like, hey, don't interact with each other. <laughs> yeah. And then we, they go play 48 minutes of basketball. Exactly. And, uh, and, and when guys are on the bench after they get subbed out, they're supposed to wear a mask then. But yeah. you, again, you're taking that off when you go back out on the court. And it's kind of like what George Hill was saying. Like, I mean, if, if, if you're expected to go out and sweat and, and, you know, bang bodies with these guys, but then you're not allowed to really interact with each other at all on the bus, in the hotels or anything, what's the point? You know, like it's just it seems a little bit I understand they're trying to send the message like we want to limit this as much as possible. Absolutely. But there is a certain point where in the game, in the emotion of the game, people touch each other and people get in each other's face. And it's very hard to stop that when you hit a game winning shot or a big shot. Your teammates want to come and celebrate and and, and share that moment with you. It's very hard to just be like, guys, stay away, stay away. Mm -hmm. So. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how effective it's going to be by by uh, trying to enforce it and having people on the sidelines saying, "Stay away from each other, guys." Yeah, this security out there. I saw Dan Feldman of NBC Sports uh, write: If the NBA is sort of like hell bent on stricter enforcement for this type of stuff, then it maybe is better achieved like by reviewing video and issuing warnings and sort of like maybe finding violators. Like if they really want to go to that extreme, not this idea of like. I don't know, team security just coming out to half court. And like, what, they're supposed to like make a line to break up the two teams from, uh, you know, seeing each other and dapping each other up? Like, that's not going to do it, in my opinion. So maybe there's something there. Maybe they just won't. And maybe it is just, you know, and that's fine. Like some sort of optics thing. Um, But I sort of agree with George a little bit. Like if like, if you're going to this extreme, then why are we even playing? Mm. Like, like that's, that's, there's some truth to that. But anyway, inspired by this headline, I thought I'd hit you guys with a fun little top five. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. So a little top five fun. The NBA placing team security guards on the court before and after games to enforce the league's COVID-19 health and safety protocols. The idea is that security will help 
uh, prohibit, you know, daps and handshakes and hugs amongst the players. But guys, the NBA team security, they already do enough. They do enough work. We, we need some new enforcers in the NBA. So this is my top five list of people to lead the NBA's new no hugs security <laughs> detail, okay? At number five, we'll go through quickly here. Charles Oakley, mm. former power forward, yeah. No business Oak. If Oak tells you not to hug each other, you better not hug each other, all right? No funny business. There's going to be fist thrown. All right, so Oak, <laughs> number five. Number four, Mall Cop, Paul Blort. Need some guys with some experience here. You know, enforcing the rules. I've never watched Paul Blart, but I just love saying Paul Blart. So let's put it out there. <laughs> yeah, he's got to make the list. I don't know. Kevin James, Paul Blart, same guy, really. Uh, looks like a hugger. I will say he looks oh, like a hugger. Oh, yeah, true. True. It might be tough for him. He, like, you just got to go, hey, Paul, he's come like, on, I get it, let man. Me, let me get one hug in. He's like, ah, it's tough yeah, for me, too. Okay. It's tough for me, too. I want a hug. Okay, so my third one. Uh, you know, it's more of a team, but it's the <laughs> WWE security team. Now, these guys have a lot of experience, but like, let's just get a bunch of them in there. If they can keep Goldberg and Brock Lesnar apart from each other, I'm sure they can keep Colin Sexton and Kyrie Irving from hugging each other, okay? <laughs> they, again, they work as a, as a unit, these guys. Now, they usually get beat up at some point, too. Uh, but, like, we'll throw them out there. Number two, though, for enforcing these rules... Steve Wilkos from the Jerry Springer show. Remember that guy? Oh, wow. Oh, you mean from the Steve Wilkos show? Yeah, yeah this guy got his own show. Spin-off. This guy was so popular, he got his own show out of yeah. it. And then I think he went to work for the Maury Povich show after wow. the Jerry Springer. Yeah, so he's made oh, a career goat. out of being, you know, the, the guy to jump up on stage and 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 keep this guy in the glasses back from this other guy because he slept with that girl, you know, stuff like that. So... I think Steve is Steve would happily take this job. Um, but, you know, my number one on this list, I'm thinking a little differently. We don't need muscle, okay? We need someone sweet. Betty White. Put her out there. Just turn 99 years old. If Betty White tells you guys, you know, you can't hug each other, you can't handshake, I think you're going to listen to her this sweet very funny woman. So maybe this is you got we got to pivot. We got to go with a different angle with this. We don't need muscle. We need Betty White out there. So that's my top 5 list of people to lead the NBA's new no hugs security detail. Who did I miss? Uh, anyone come to mind, guys that you would like to see out there maybe to prevent all this, you know, handshakes and hugs? Uh, the security guard from Arrested Development who's always yelling no touching. No touching. Yeah, Anytime yeah, they're visiting. I guess the guy from Judge Judy as well, uh, the cop. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. Remember him? Uh, Steve? I know who you're talking about. I have yeah. no idea what his name yeah, is. Yeah, his name is probably Steve. Yeah. <laughs> if you were on any of those type of shows, your name was Steve and you did security. Uh, okay, well, let me know in the comments who you would like to see uh, be the head security of this detail and uh, tweet at us as well at No Dunks Inc. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. What do you got? Tweet of the Night comes to us from MJ Warshauer, who tweeted yesterday, my favorite <laughs> tennis podcast is no dunksing, because where else can you get up-to-the-minute updates on the 2002 U.S. Open or how Mark Johansson's career turned out? Of course, Lee replied with a picture of himself at the U.S. Open, oh my goodness. chest out, Iverson's on tough look on the face my man is smoldering here i see that the tennis ball is on fire but so is lee Woo, baby you know he's always got a picture this is the most posed picture we've seen from you you're styling right here usually it's just a straight up arms hanging down but no uh, 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 not this time two three four buttons open oh. that's love baby buttons at the ball oh, yeah. buttons at the top open you got what two buttons done only can't believe yeah. your fly zipped up in this photo oh man i look like such a douche in this photo it's unbelievable i can't even remember who took it because i've got the camera case in my hand so i guess someone was just walking by and i said uh, I'm at the US Open. Can you just take a photo to prove it? Yeah, so they were probably like, uh, do you want to do a button up or something? <laughs> nah, that'll do. Just take it. It's hot. I might need this for a podcast in 19 years' time, so make me look sexy, please. Incredible. Incredible. I love oh. the shit. You, you look sexy, though. I gotta give it to you. You're looking like your brother Nick there, man. Looking like the sexiest Ellis on this day. Uh, who, who, who are you? Start as Matt. Well, oh yeah, starters Matt. He finds yeah. your brother Nick the most handsome man in the world. He's yeah, a good he does. looking guy. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, you, you got a photo of everything. Now, did Dickie come through with that one, or did you find it? The, uh, so I do have some old discs here. I found it on that one, but Dad is also scouring the uh, scouring no, the archives. Don't make him do that. Uh, yeah, he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. He gets a shout out. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Dickie, man. He's just always going through these photo albums of you at sporting events. <laughs> hey, a few people are saying about the wrinkly shirt, and uh, it's true, it is wrinkly, but look at the look at the time of day it is there. You know, this is like, I've been walking around in that for like hours, so it's not like, like a... a shirt that should be wrinkly. Yeah, like exactly. Limited. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's not like I just, just turned up at like, you know, 10 in the morning, I said, quick, let's get the shirt off. This is like, because it gets stinking hot in New York true, in September. True. So uh, so why yeah. are you wearing a sweater under a button-up shirt? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of roast beef. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. It's funny, isn't it? Like, you just... I, I, I was... <laughs> Because when it is super hot, I do like a button-up shirt over a t-shirt, you know, because it does get a bit airy. But I don't know why I just basically just went the one button. I'm like, that's that's crazy, even for me. I'm like, maybe you knew in 20 years' time, I'm gonna yeah. need this photo for a manscaped ad read <laughs> that you could work in. No, because when I when I saw it last night, I'm like, do I want to share this one or not? And I'm like, I sort of I sort of oh, have yes. to. I sort of have to because it's you know we talked about it and it's at the US Open there. But then I'm also like. God, man, button up, will you? You're embarrassing yourself. We got to put that photo besides the uh, greetings from Sexland. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's where he's at right there. You're not at the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 
Wow, well oh, done, JD. Wow. Okay, great tweet of the night, Trey. Fantastic work. Okay, pick them results. Not good for the boys here. We all took the Raptors to win by five or more. Oh, wow, we jinxed the hell out of that. Raptors got embarrassed. We didn't even talk about it. Heat, quality win. Front to back, basically. Raps played like garbage. OG, the only Raptor actually doing anything out there last night. So oh, that's a loss for everybody. We got three guys that are 8 and 11. We got Tass, Trey, and Lee, 8 and 11 here in the month of January. I'm 10 and 9, so I'm two games up, but still lots, lots, lots of games left here in the month. So, three games on tonight on a Thursday. We got the Lakers, Bucks, first game on TNT, followed by the Pelicans and Jazz again. And we also have Knicks, Warriors on League Pass. So, three games on. Let's go with that Lakers, Bucks game. Lakers favored by one and a half on the road in Milwaukee. Trey, get us started. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, you're basically just picking a winner here with the yeah. tiny little line. And I'm going to go with the Lakers because for the first time this season against the Warriors in their last game, they tried the rope-a-dope and it didn't work. So I'm imagining in a marquee game like this, they come out banging out of the gate. Gimme L.A. There you go, League. You know, the Bucks just lost too, yeah. right? Off the, against that Nets um, game they had recently. So where, where do you go? Do you go Lakers or Milwaukee? Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I think I'm going to go with the Bucks. Just I think they're at home. I think, uh, again, it is. It's just basically who's going to win by a field goal here. So uh, I'll take Milwaukee, but it should be a pretty tight one. Mm. Yeah, I'm torn. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the Lakers tonight. Um, you know, LeBron always likes something to... Uh, you know, get them going, right? Mm-hmm. Got to find, uh, you know, inspiration in something. What's inspiration? That's not the word I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for? Motivation? Motivation. Yeah. Thank you. And maybe it's like, uh, you know, okay, the Bucks are one of the better teams in the league. We just came off a loss. Am I going to go try and get another MVP? Well, a big performance versus Giannis would help that, right? You know, if you put up monster numbers. So I will go with the Lakers. So this is a tough one. We got two of us going Lakers. We got one of us going Milwaukee. Let's find out who Tass is taking. I'm taking the Bucks. I think the Lakers are in a bit of a chill mode right now, and considering they're 7-0 and on the road, but they're going to Milwaukee where the Bucks are so good at home, that's a recipe for a loss. Give me Milwaukee. Okay, so there you go. So it was Trey and I, right, with mm-hmm. the Lakers, and we got Lee and Tass taking the Milwaukee Bucks. Great stuff. All right, let's call it there. Fun show. Going to have a really good one tomorrow, the Drop Podcast on Friday, because we are going to do our... NBA award front runners one month into the season. You know, we'll go through all the major awards, MVP, you know, most improved, sixth man, rookie, all of that stuff. And we'll probably give like our top three guys that sort of like each award right now, a month in. Those are always a blast debating those, who you'd have on your list, who you don't. How many guys can we just say? How many guys are in the conversation? <laughs> so we'll do that the on deepest Friday's name we're podcast. pulling. I can't wait yeah. to hear. Yeah. And then, you know, if these games are good tonight, of course, like that Lakers Bucks games is very interesting. We'll talk about those games as well. But email us your NBA questions and comments for our next Beach Step and Podcast. No dunks at theathletic.com. Like, comment, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Again, thanks to the stream teamers for joining us live. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. We will be looking into creating shirts with only one button on them that you can wear <laughs> to a U.S. Open. That's uh, we'll, we'll get to work on that. Subscribe to The Athletic for $3.99 a month right now. That's it. That's it, a month for the best damn sports writing in the world and a bunch of great podcasts ad-free. So go check that out. Theathletic.com slash no dunks is the link to go to so they know that we sent you. Anything else, gentlemen? Nah. All right, good. Everybody's shaking their head. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. 
Thanks for joining us. And remember, if you put your bread and butter in a basket, <laughs> that's a bread and butter basket. Praise <laughs> the day, people. You could stay.